listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and in studio with me today I have David Donaldson, who is the CEO of the Atlanta Healing Center. Welcome, David. Hi, Susan. How are you? I am very good, thank you. Glad to be here, and I think this is an interesting and important topic, and it's one that's been controversial for a number of years, and that is, what is the truth about e-cigarettes? Are they harmful? Are they safe? Do they help people stop smoking? This is a question that we get asked or told about, I guess, not necessarily asked all the time about the role of e-cigarettes. And um, this week there have been some new developments and some new studies that begin to shed a light that I think will hopefully highlight some of the controversy and bring some closure to some of the misinformation out there. Yeah, it definitely has has been something that's been noticed in the treatment centers um, in the last few years. Um, regularly people are coming in and they're talking about being ready to quit smoking and the way they're going to do it is by using e-cigarettes. I'm actually feeling some confidence in that mm-hmm. as a method for, for quitting cigarettes. Um, but as, as your topic today is going to show, that's, it's not pr- proven to be very effective. Yes, in fact, The Lancet, which is a very well-recognized medical journal from um, uh, England, uh, one of the most well-recognized around the world, released a study on uh, January 14th of 2016 saying that while smokers have been increasingly using e-cigarettes, just as you said, many of them for uh, attempts uh, to quit smoking. And also, I think more commonly for a lot of people, to use in places where smoking has currently now been prohibited. But the the often stated reason for people to use the e-cigarettes is, I'm, I'm trying to co- quit smoking, I'm trying to cut down. So they did a meta-analysis, which means they looked at a wide variety of literature that has been published in peer-reviewed journals around the world. They ended up looking at uh, 577 studies. Of those, 38 studies they felt met the criteria for being level one studies, meaning peer-reviewed, double-blind, placebo-controlled studies looking at whatever the topic is. So level one studies are the most reliable medical evidence. And so they narrowed this down uh, to 38 studies. And what they found was the odds of quitting smoking were 28% lower in those who used e-cigarettes compared to those who didn't use e-cigarettes. Wow. So um, the odds ratio that they talk about was... um, Uh, 0.72 and the real bottom line is as being currently used e-cigarettes are associated with a significantly less probability of quitting among among smokers what's been your experience with this i mean that certainly highlights exactly what our experience has been that we've we have had um a few patients who have sincerely come in with the plan of how they're going to quit smoking using e-cigarettes and and they 
they started out with oil at, at whatever the highest dose they could buy it at, and they created a taper schedule and together um, would come in and report on their progress. And a couple of these patients would actually get down to a fairly low dose. Um, but the thing that they were continuing to do, which which I, I think is the the, the biggest issue related to quitting any addiction is that they were using the e-cigarettes as a way to not have to change um, people, places, and things. Right. Part of part of recovery has always been about you've got to change your playgrounds and you've got to change the people you hang out with um, and you've got to change the things you're doing because those are all associated with using. And the e-cigarette was their method of still being able to go outside and hang out with the people that are smoking and still being able to um, have that oral fixation of, of, of smoke inhaling something. Um, and so it was it, – none of those things changed. And then just like with any other addiction, something would happen where they um, either didn't buy enough oil or they misplaced their e-cigarette mm-hmm. um, um, device or somebody stole it out. or the right. batteries ran out. And instead of going and buying a new one or buying more oil, they would buy a pack of cigarettes. And they would smoke a full pack of cigarettes that same day and they would – um, either try again on the e-cigarettes or they'd be back to full smoking again for, for a period of time. And as our friend Murray Kelly uh, from the Tobacco Healing Center and Libertas up in um, Ontario, Canada always says, in order to stop smoking, you've got to stop smoking. And I think that's exactly what happens is that cigarettes are more readily available. They're not necessarily terribly easy, but they're a lot easier than going to the vape store or getting online and ordering your replacements or whatever you need to do. And so, so many people are going back and forth between the two. The other thing that I've seen people do is they spend a lot of money. They buy the top of the line apparatus, and there's a number of different ones, and we can talk a little bit about those today, but they'll buy this very expensive delivery system, whether it's an e-cigarette or a vaporizer, and they will buy the oil, which is also relatively expensive and time-consuming. So now they've got a ritual of having to fill the batteries or recharge the battery. They've got to fill the oil container and put that in the vaporizer, then smoke the cigarette and or smoke the vape. Um, They're not smoking, they're vaping. Excuse me. Vape the vape. Vape the vape. And it's expensive. Actually, for most people, as I've talked with my patients, cigarettes are cheaper. Not that they're cheap, but they're cheaper. Mm -hmm. And so... When things begin to unravel with this cumbersome process that they have to go through, again, it's cheaper to buy the nicotine than it is to buy the nicotine and cigarettes than it is to buy the nicotine and uh, make a tr- special trip to the vape store or the smoke shop to to get that. So it becomes um, sort of a false hope that they're... Well, and, doing something. And part of what we've also seen is that they're getting themselves used to actually a higher amount of nicotine in their system than they were when they were smoking the cigarettes. Um, 
the cigarettes were one or one milligram a cigarette, and and they would have a, a chance to go out and have a smoke break where they would have maybe two cigarettes, and then they're back at work or doing whatever they have to do. Whereas when they're out there vaping, they've got. Um, um, I think they can get as much as like five milligrams in one of the six. little mm-hmm. five or six, and they'll take a hit and a hit and a hit, and they keep getting. So they're, they're acclimating themselves to a much higher content of nicotine, and when they go back to smoking cigarettes, they're finding that they're smoking more than they were before. And like the Lancet study um reflects many people are going to the vaporizers or the e-cigarettes because cigarettes, regular tobacco uh, products, leaf tobacco, has been banned in many places. You can't um, smoke in lots of public buildings, restaurants, hotels. A lot of places are not allowing that, but some of these places will allow you to use an e-cigarette or allow you to vape. Mm -hmm. And so... They're finding that they had these limitations before that was keeping a lid on the amount of tobacco they were smoking. Mm -hmm. But now not only can they have a higher concentration, as you mentioned, but now they're using it more frequently because they're allowed to use it in places that they hadn't been able to before. So now they can use it more often. Becomes this very interesting thing that happens and I know so many of our patients as we were talking as we were coming up to the studio today so many of our patients wish that they were those folks that could go back and drink normally that they could train themselves to drink in moderation or to be able to take pain medications as the doctor prescribes them lots of our patients wish they could smoke normally that is that is the obsession. When we talk about the obsession of addiction, the the obsession is I'm going to figure out a way to drink without getting consequences, to drink without destroying my marriage, without making a fool of myself, and to drink like other people. Um, and and for an alcoholic to to be at an event where the other people are drinking, they'll find themselves focusing on those people who are drinking normally. And in the back of their brain, it's like, how, how are they doing that? Trying right. to figure this out. And people are going to e-cigarettes with that same sort of mentality of of having an opportunity at smoking without consequence. And that, I think, is one of the myths that we're going to talk about today. Is what are the? Is this really safe? Is it safe? Is it safer than? using um, tobacco products, or are there some um, additional consequences? And and we're going to uh, talk a little bit about that. But, yes, this idea, I think, that people have that I can can do this, I can get away with it, I can be, quote, normal, and this isn't really going to be a problem for me, is the big fantasy that so many of our patients have. Mm -hmm. And they have it around all kinds of behaviors and substances. I can go to Las Vegas and just gamble a little bit. Or I can go ahead and go back to the gym, but I'll not get myself into the trouble that I did with steroids. I, I, the stories are on and on, and we could <laughs> we could elaborate all day. But it's the stories that their brain their brain that has the disease of addiction tells them over and over again about 
you can control this, this can be okay. And it's not going to cause damage in my life. Not going to cause damage. Well, let me just say a couple of other things have come out in the news. On January 14th, 2016, there was a very interesting study done at Yale University looking at the commercially available liquid, um, the cigarette liquid or the nicotine liquid. One of the things that many people are not aware of, that those liquids that actually contain flavoring, and this is one of the big draws, and we're going to talk in a minute about children and uh, getting hooked into using e-cigarettes, but many uh, people are not aware that the flavoring is often extracted using ethyl alcohol. Ethyl alcohol is the alcohol that humans like to drink. And these e-cigarettes and the the, uh, liquids have been found, some of them, to have relatively high alcohol level to the point that the people who are smoking them have had their motor skills significantly impaired even though they were not necessarily feeling like they were getting any extra buzz from it. And these um, battery-operated e-cigarettes that use this kind of product have been found to have alcohol. When we come back after our break, we're going to talk about what some of the consequences of this alcohol within the e-cigarettes might cause for you. Please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. 
So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and with me today in the studio is David Donaldson, the CEO of the Atlanta Healing Center. We're talking about e-cigarettes. We're talking about what is true, what is not true, about the safety and the efficacy of using these nicotine replacement systems. Right before the break, we started talking about the study that was done at Yale University where they're looking at the flavorings that are found in many of the nicotine juice or the nicotine uh, oil or the nicotine liquid that is used within these vaporizers. And while nicotine itself does not have alcohol, many of the flavorings, and there are tons of flavorings, there are over currently, it's estimated there are over seven thousand seven hundred and sixty-four flavors that are added to the um, uh, liquids to make them much more palatable. They don't necessarily taste like cigarettes at all. They can taste like marshmallows or candy corn or. Cotton candy. Cotton candy, bubble gum. Some of the flavors are not the flavoring that I would anticipate a 40-year-old businessman would be buying. Hence, some of the concerns that we're going to talk about in a minute regarding advertising to children and is this just yet one more way in which big tobacco is attempting to addict our children. But this study from Yale is talking about these flavorings that have been added And what they have found was in their study participants that they ingested enough alcohol via the e-cigarettes that they had metabolized the alcohol in their system to the point that it could give them enough alcohol detected in their urine for a DUI charge that people could end up being listed as intoxicated and too impaired to drive because of how much, how quickly and effectively the alcohol affected their brains because it had been vaporized. Now, there have been some reports recently about powdered alcohol and people actually smoking the powdered alcohol. Well, this is another way in which the alcohol is immediately vaporized just like the nicotine and sent straight up the carotid arteries into the addiction center of the brain and lights it up very, very quickly. And because of this, um, it's a faster level. Uh, they, they predict this will be a faster level of dependence not only for alcohol uh, but for nicotine as well. And we talked a few weeks ago about our study looking at this interaction between alcohol use and tobacco use and the number of people who say, I only smoke when I drink <laughs> or I only drink when I smoke. Uh, the synergistic effect of these two has long been 
um, known. But when we see this now in terms of people are not aware that there is alcohol in the flavorings and they're not aware that they are actually becoming intoxicated with the alcohol. In fact, almost 40% um, had some level of alcohol. Uh, 23% had levels of 1 to 3%. But there is one liquid, um, an original French br- vanilla named, um, made by, I'm not going to say the name of the company in California, that has a 23.5% alcohol. That is a lot of alcohol. And one of the things that they're um, concerned about is that with this alcohol, they may have not only difficulty passing a field sobriety test, but they are also potentially going to be having uh, positive urine drug screens. This article was actually sent to me on a listserv by one of the Uh, urine drug testing companies, one that's used particularly with um, professionals who are being monitored so that they can keep their licenses. And the warning is to all of their participants not to use these vaporized nicotine, particularly the flavored ones, because of the risk that they may have an inadvertent positive drug screen. Well, and in, in that situation, the person is going to be really at a loss at trying to prove anything because when you look at the the product itself, you might see the the milligram of nicotine that's in it, but it's very rare that you're going to see any of the other ingredients that are listed in that product. So, so um, consumers are not going to know if the product they're buying is is one that contains a high amount of alcohol or not. And when we look. At the next level of this, the people most likely to be using some of these heavily flavored um, nicotine liquids are kids. And in 2011, the CDC um, said that uh, in one of their studies, about 300,000 middle and high school students reported having used an e-cigarette or a vape in the last 30 days, so 300,000. By 2014, that had gone up to 800,000. And um, that the e-cigarette sales had gone up from 6.4 million to 15 million. And a large number of these sales are being sold to young people, uh, certainly Youngsters under the age of 18 that would be prohibited from buying regular tobacco products. Uh, there is no oversight. There is no limitation in the sale or the consumption of the e-cigarettes and the vaporizers, regardless of your age. And this has been a huge ongoing fight. Um, that we're seeing. So the big concern is that we're now having these kids who are being invited, so to speak, to use these products, and the flavorings are particularly appealing to them. The flavorings have alcohol in them, and now we're having kids that are getting vaporized alcohol and nicotine going to their brain. This is really um, of, of great concern, and the CDC is very 
worried about the e-cigarette advertising because, again, it doesn't fall under the FDA and it doesn't follow under the other restrictions on cigarette advertising um, that that we see with other tobacco products. So, And you're certainly seeing it, it being advertised in a way that makes it look like the cool thing to be doing. This is the... Um, upwardly mobile trendy thing that 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 young professionals are doing so they don't have that appearance of being a smoker um and that that kind of old generation look um when i think about the the clients at at our practice that tend to be using them it, it tends to be our younger um younger population and and the flavors they talk about are strawberry and bubble gum and and cotton candy you know, there it's reaching right into that that um, childhood brain and just really grabbing hold of hold of um, that piece of it that makes it um, not feel like they're doing anything dangerous. And they're getting the nicotine delivered directly to their brain in the same way as smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important take-home message because tobacco itself, other than the nicotine, is not addictive. It's the nicotine is the addictive substance in tobacco, in um, smokeless tobacco, in the nicotine within the vaporizers. One of the things that also appeals to young people is the fact that nobody can smell this on them. It doesn't smell like they've been smoking. So in their ability, or their attempts at least, to fool their parents and fool their teachers and their coaches and their friends who look down on smoking, they can use the um, vaporizers get the same high. Now we know they're probably getting an additional high with the alcohol, and no one's the wiser. Yeah. Real often it's the one who who wants to use this as a, um, <clears throat> so you guys don't know what you're talking about kind of argument and encourage them, encourage others to go ahead and join. Um, um, it's that kid that would, once upon a time, going out the front door of the school would light up a cigarette just because he would. Is, is now has this item that that um, he can he can uh, say this is a, this is a healthy alternative. Everybody should be doing it. And today I got a study posted by the um, American Academy of Chest Surgeons, um, who are very much uh, forefront in prevention and treatment of tobacco-related disorders. Uh, This study was done in um, Honolulu um, at the University of Hawaii by Dr. Thomas Wells. He's a cancer prevention specialist. And what they did was a specific study looking at 2,000 students um, in high school on the island of Oahu. They interviewed these students in 2013 and again in 2014, and they were asked about whether they had ever smoked electronic or regular cigarettes. Those that answered yes were asked whether they did it only once or a handful of times or used them monthly, weekly, or daily. To encourage honest answers, the students were assured that their survey response would be anonymous. The um, researchers also interestingly um, added a series of questions to gauge the rebelli- rebelliousness 
and the willingness to seek out new experiences. One of the things that we know about people with addiction, the childhood brain disease of addiction, is that they're often um, very adventuresome. They like uh, intense experiences. They like adrenaline experiences, high adrenaline experiences. And so sometimes, well before you see the use of a substance addictively, you will often see these behaviors. So they also act ask these things, as well as other psychological and demographic. Um, And it's really interesting that the results revealed, and David, I think you um, looked at this. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. There were um, 31% of the students had tried any cigarette um, at the time that they took the survey. Most of them had had just been casual users. You know, about 21% had, had um, of the people who took the survey had tried it, but they weren't um, using it all the time. They'd used it less than four times in their life. Um, about 2% were vaping on a daily basis, um, and 3% were vaping four, um, several times a week. Um, that distinction between daily and several times per week, I, I wonder about. But the um, the percentages of the the people that are moving right into that addictive pattern it fits with with what we see with many of these substances exactly and all of these students were more likely um, to move on to using other substances we're going to take a break when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about the second year of this study thanks for listening perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction if not You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. 
If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Dr. Susan Blank on Detailing Addiction with David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. And we're talking about e-cigarettes. There has been a lot of controversy. Lots of folks are very supportive of e-cigarettes. Lots of folks have talked about this as a viable alternative, a safer alternative to the use of tobacco, and also as a way to help people stop smoking. Well, our study from The Lancet shows that, first of all, not successful in adults who were trying to stop smoking. In fact, people were 20% less likely to be stop, able to stop smoking if they were using an e-cigarette as opposed to those who were trying to stop smoking using other means. Um, we were talking about this study that was done in Honolulu. And... Um, for those of you who don't know, um, David, I think Hawaii has been very aggressive in terms of their campaigns around uh, tobacco, around smoking. Yeah, they um, they really do look at the surveys and the studies and, and take them seriously. They they were the first state in the the um, in the union to raise the smoking age to twenty one, and now as a result of these studies related to e-cigarettes, they're making that. Um, that policy apply to e-cigarettes as well um, because what they found was that f- for people, for teenagers who had begun using um, the e-cigarettes they were uh, in fact more likely to begin smoking regular cigarettes um, in 2013 if they had not tried vaporizing their likelihood of picking up smoking was 5% whereas if they had tried the the e-cigarettes their likelihood was up to 14% so more than double the the, um, risk. Almost triple. Almost triple the risk. And we know the younger the age the person starts smoking the more likely they are to become a lifelong smoker. The Tobacco companies are certainly very aware of the fact that the brand you smoke when you're 18 is going to be the brand that you'll probably smoke the rest of your life. So patterns are set pretty early. And as kids get the idea, just like with our our experience with marijuana, if they think marijuana is medicine, the risk to them, their perceived risk goes down and their use goes up, many of these kids um, would report that E-cigarettes were safer, and so therefore they felt okay about using e-cigarettes. But e-cigarettes indeed were not safer for them. In fact, all of them um, were um, had an increased risk of moving on to regular cigarettes. The other part that it really talked about was that that friends' approval had a huge impact. That that the kids whose friends were doing the e-cigarettes and approved of e-cigarettes were much more apt to start um, trying it as well. And and those whose who's friends, you know, so the whole discussion around people, places, and things, the people you hang out with are, are going to influence um, the choices you're making. 
Um, I think that one of the things when they were looking at um, the different ethnicities, um, they found that um, the risk uh, certainly uh, for going on to first cigarettes um, was greater for the older students. Um, white um, Caucasians and native Hawaiians were more likely to initiate smoking than were Asian Americans and the more rebellious they were the more likely um, they were, the more defiant the greater the risk that they were going to go on to smoking and the other thing that I think is pretty striking um, in this study was that there was absolutely no support at all for the idea that they were going to decrease the amount of smoking. Not one of the vapors went on to decrease or discontinue um, the use of the e-cigarette, and most of them went on to use regular cigarettes. Yeah. And that study has been across the board with the other studies that we've looked at, um, that there is not any track record of success of using e-cigarettes to quit smoking. Just doesn't happen, unfortunately. And I, I'm very um, happy and proud of Hawaii. Not only are they taking this very seriously in terms of their legislative action, but they're also doing these very important studies looking not just at the rate of smoking or the age of smoking, but some of the things that will impact the person. And I don't think any of us are too surprised that peers are <laughs> a strong um, player strong role in this, but I think that the idea that um, some groups are more at risk, and so these are the groups that we really need to pay attention to. And the idea that we need to look at who is regulating this industry. Unfortunately, the FDA has been trying. The FDA was given in 2007 the ability to regulate advertising and some of the marketing around tobacco products, both cigarettes, loose tobacco, um, and smokeless tobacco. But they have been trying <laughs> vigilantly um, to get some control over this. But because these are not tobacco they are nicotine, they're not tobacco, they don't fall under that strict guideline. And because the advertisers have been very careful in the language, as you mentioned, um, the language used for this, the common theme is, I'm going to use this to help me stop smoking, but that's never in any of their advertisements. They're very careful to not have any health claims or health benefits listed, because if that were the case, if this has a health benefit um, or a perceived health benefit, then that would fall under the Food and Drug Administration's purview. So they're very strategic. So they can advertise anywhere. They can sell over the Internet. There aren't restrictions right now. And this is something we really need to look at. Um, less than a decade ago, e-cigarettes, vapes, we didn't know anything about them. There was a product, I remember, um, about 20 years ago that was kind of an e-cigarette in the sense that you had this this little white cartridge that you put a cartridge of nicotine in it. It was used for quitting smoking, and it would give an electric charge, and they would get one um, hit of nicotine. 
but there was no vapor that came from it. There was no glowing lighting up on the end. There was nothing about it that looked cigarette-like. It just was like a medical device that people were using mm-hmm. to quit smoking. A nicotine inhaler. A nicotine inhaler. And um, um, there was there were people who had success with that method, um, and it wasn't doing any of these other things that the e-cigarettes are giving, the things that are creating the secondary rewards of that, that vape and that coolness and that, hey, let's hang out together. Um, and the great interesting tastes, and now we realize the alcohol potentially in some of these. So it's it's been a, an industry that was really non-existent other than this um, nicotine inhaler that wa- that still is available um, it requires a prescription and it's relatively expensive hard to get insurance to cover by the way mm-hmm. um, to this great huge three billion dollar global industry there's over 466 brands and as we said earlier 7,764 plus flavors Um, they have slick youth oriented tobacco like marketing designed to create the perception that e-cigarettes are not only safe but they're very cool and I was thinking about this this morning how ironic it is that when we're young, we try so hard to look older and mature. So we pretend to smoke. Um, it may be that we're holding pencils or pens or candy cigarettes. We want to look older. We're trying so hard. Then as we get older, <laughs> we are trying very hard to appear young. Um, we just are never quite okay in the age range mm-hmm. that we have um, we've grown up in, and we begin spending lots and lots of money trying to erase the effects of aging. So, I mean, unfortunately, the 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 difficulty is that. Um, not only uh, does this appeal to kids and. Um, I think a lot of the marketing is absolutely directly related to appealing to kids. There's a big split in the um, in the medical community about whether or not this is really safe. The World Health Organization has come out with a very strong statement released in 2014 that raised serious questions about the health impact of e-cigarettes and called for a ban on all indoor use and all sales to minors. Um, They clearly stated that they saw e-cigarettes as a gateway for a new generation of smokers, um, at a time when in, de- when in decades the public opinion around tobacco use has gone down, and in fact many of the health campaigns have reduced the number of smokers. So this is an appeal, according to the World Health Organization, to get young, new smokers involved in the field. And we've talked about how we see our patients progress through using the vaporizers or the e-cigarettes and then moving back into the use of tobacco. Mm -hmm. The study in Hawaii clearly shows that kids are using the e-cigarettes as a jump-off point to using regular tobacco. Part of what um, we regularly deal with in the group setting is what are triggers and what are the the signs that your addiction is calling you. Um, and, And we start helping people look at when they're they're having stress reactions or they're they're um, 
at this tolerance point of, okay, I've talked about this subject too long or we've been sitting in these chairs too long and, and it's time to get up and go outside. Um, and what's interesting to me is that before e-cigarettes were a big part of the picture, you could time a group around people's cigarette addiction, their nicotine dependency, and, and the, their amount of tolerance would be about 45 minutes. And, and as the smoking, you know, was, was less... Um, the group's ability to stay focused for an hour was improving, you know, and, and, and centers that, that we've worked in where there's been no smoking, you could have a group go for two hours and people were fine. Um, now, once again, with the e-cigarettes back in place, you start seeing the fidgeting in the chairs and looking at the clocks and people saying, when are we going to take mm-hmm. a break? It's time for a break. Right. Um, so obviously that nicotine piece that's hooking the brain and creating the, the addiction is just as strong and, and still playing its role. Um, um, so clearly, as soon as the they have a choice between I have enough money for a pack of cigarettes, but I don't have enough money for an e-cigarette oil cartridge, they're going to be back to regular tobacco use. And it's it's very interesting because, again, as we've talked about, the idea of... Um, they're getting higher doses of nicotine, potentially, than they can get with a regular cigarette. So the addiction gets fed pretty readily. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some safety concerns around the use of e-cigarettes. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. 
More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. I have with me David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're talking about e-cigarettes and vaping. Are they safe, and do they really help? So there are a number of groups, as we were talking about, that have come out very strongly, including the World Health Organization, against the use of e-cigarettes. There are a number of folks that are also saying uh, tobacco kills over 400,000 people per year in the United States. And since we've been keeping track from the first Surgeon General's report, over 20 million Americans have died. of this um, addiction to this particular substance. It's ironic that the FDA does <laughs> have oversight and yet allows this product to still be sold when, if used, will kill 50% of the people who use it. But the idea for some of the researchers is that we need something to help people, and if moving to an e-cigarette is safer uh, in terms of decreasing the carcinogens and the exposure to tar and other contaminants in the tobacco itself, would this be a less harmful alternative? Now, um, the e-cigarettes are often have a number of propellants. Propylene glycol is relatively safe in humans when used in small amounts. The concern for a lot of folks with the e-cigarettes is not only are they um, are they using um, a lot and they're vaping frequently. When you heat a liquid, you change the components. And so the studies have not really been done about what happens when you heat propylene glycol and when you ingest it uh, at high amounts over a long period of time. We don't know. I think there are some other things also found in, um, in the e-cigarettes that might be of concern. Um, the big one that always jumps out to me is, is formaldehyde. Um, and and Whenever you see anything that's talking about is e-cigarette safe, the one thing they talk about is that um, the chemicals that are in there, the one always mentioned is formaldehyde. And uh, as you were just saying, what is that going to do when it's vaporized and and brought directly into your lungs? And and we don't really have those answers. Acetaldehyde, acrolinian, um, all of these things are potentially very caustic substances and yet people are regularly now ingesting these through inhalation and we don't know we don't know what we know what embalming fluid formaldehyde does to human bodies when it's injected after death we don't know what happens when it's been vaporized heated to a high temperature potentially the chemical structure changed and now we're ingesting it into our bodies through our lungs well and the other piece of it is that um you know one of the myths around e-cigarettes is that you don't have to worry about secondhand smoke but these chemicals are being ingested into a person, and they are being exhaled by that person and are becoming a secondhand vapor that, that we don't know what the, the medical impact is going to be. 
It's really very interesting. There's um, some pulmonologists at the University of California in Los Angeles um, that have gotten funding from the FDA to study the health consequences of vaping. Part of the concern has always been with tobacco is the um, genetically um, uh, programmed risks of developing things like cancer and COPD. We know that many of these uh, very devastating and often life-threatening and life-ending illnesses have a genetic component to them. So this group has taken on this study to say, does exposure to e-cigarettes create the same genomic changes in the airway as tobacco chemicals do? For obvious reasons, we've always assumed that it is the carcinogens and the toxins and the components of tobacco itself that are causing the genes to change and these diseases like lung cancer or COPD to manifest themselves. So one of the things that they're doing is looking at what happens when these same epithelial cells, the lining cells of your airways, um, are exposed to the components in the e-cigarettes. And they have started with cultured cells, not in living people and certainly not even living animals, but they've taken human bronchial epithelial cells in a culture and have found that the components from e-cigarettes can cause these cells to become cancer-like. That it happens, that it happens more quickly than cells should change, that the changes in these cells are exactly the changes that you see in cancer cells that have been, of the epithelial cells that have been exposed to tobacco products causing these changes. So it's saying that it's having the same effect effect whether it's tobacco products or e-cigarette oils that are being vaporized. They are saying that they're looking at the genome and that they're finding that many of the same genes are turned off and turned on by e-cigarettes in the same way that these genes are being turned off and turned on and resulting in disease in, um, in regular smoking of tobacco products. Mm-hmm. Now, they um, are going to move into a phase two part of their study where they're going to take people who smoke tobacco cigarettes, switch them to e-cigarettes for two months, sample the cells in their windpipes and their nose before they do that and after, And then they're going to look at 20,000 genes that are contained in these cells, which now, because of computers, they're able to do this in 24 to 48 hours. And they're going to be able to look very closely at changes that are occurring within these cells. And they're right now they're saying we can't say whether or not e-cigarettes produce the same changes that cause cancer, what they're saying is that the safety of this new product is not appearing to be safe, is not appearing to be a safe alternative, and the potential for harm is there almost in the same way as regular tobacco. So once upon a time they were saying, well, at least it's safer. 
right. than smoking cigarettes. But what the new research is pointing towards is that it's really not. That it may very well not be. And their concern is that we not go down the same road that we did with tobacco for 20 or 30 years battling it out in courts and having uh, great debates around the harmfulness of tobacco that we really need to um, uh, take a look at this quickly and get the information out before it's too late, before people have already developed the disease. Um, they are not wanting to repeat what we did in the past, and nor am I. I think this is really of great concern. And we know, like with tobacco, the longer people use it, the harder it is for them to stop, Mm -hmm. and the less likely they're going to be able to be successful in stopping the use of the product. So appealing to the young marketing to the young, providing flavoring that we now know has some alcohol in it to the young, getting them hooked when they're little um, before they've got good sense and the ability to understand is is of huge concern to me and I think um, huge concern to a lot of other people too. Yeah. When they're at a, at a point in their life when they should be learning how to develop coping skills and learning how to deal with stress and how to deal with I want, you want conflicts, and what they're learning is you, you deal with that with a little bit of nicotine in your brain and um, um, you open up the doors for addiction. Nicotine is that really amazing chemical that can be what you want it to be. If you need something to bring you up, wake you up, get you energized, get you focused, nicotine's your drug. Feel calm, feel connected. Relax, chill out, nicotine's your drug. Nicotine makes a good uh, experience better. Nicotine makes a bad experience tolerable. So we encourage all of you to rethink your use of e-cigarettes and vaping, and we encourage you all to have a very healthy lifestyle. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Detailing Addiction. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.